Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Evan Hackle. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Training Unleashed. Uh, proud, a proud member of the C-Suite and thrilled to be on C-Suite Radio as well as C-Suite Television. We're going to have a great, great episode today because I'm literally talking to someone that, I mean, we are like so in sync and we both believe engagement. In fact, her company name is Spark Engagement. Um, and I have a separate consulting company in addition to my training company called Engage Consulting, Engage with an Eye for Involvement. Um, her name is Jacqueline, like Jacqueline Kennedy, Troop Robinson. And I'm going to just start out and ask just the first question. Passion. You are about people being in passion about their job. And one of the things that I'm going to just get this right out of the way because I think people really are going to care about this is how do you create passion yourself? How do you self-coach yourself into just loving what you're doing? I love the fact that you just jumped right into it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we don't play around here on the show. We don't, no. we go right for it. Yeah, no, it's, it's so important to self-coach. I mean, it is the brilliant question because although we have an assessment and we have models, the reality is once you really understand it, you don't need that stuff, truly. And we have done a ton of research and it's interesting what we've learned. And we learned it a lot about by reflecting on ourselves and what happens to us when we're passionate and what's happening to us when we're not passionate. So here's what generates passion in all of us. And I can give you sort of specific examples about me or my clients. The first thing will not surprise you. The first thing is people need an extremely high sense of meaning in their work, but also in their career. We've learned those are different things, like the day-to-day -day work I do versus the career I have. So you need to have high, high meaning. Now, that's not a surprise. People have been writing about the importance of meaningful work, purposeful work, aligned values at work. But what is so interesting is meaning alone is not enough. And this is what people miss. You can be passionate about something because you care, but that internal feeling of passion is not going to be there unless there's a second ingredient. And okay. that second what? ingredient is progress. Progress. Oh. progress. You need to be experiencing a high sense of progress against those things are relative to those things that you really care about that are really meaningful. So meaning alone is not enough. The literature has got that wrong. You need to be taking actions that give you this sense of forward movement, momentum, however you want to call progress, but that sense of I'm making a difference. I'm getting somewhere. So let's take this from the abstract to the real. Yep. So this is training unleashed. A lot of the people that are listening are training people or HR people. And um, so when I talk about training in my company, because I have a training company, we talk about the impact that we have on people's lives. We talk about how training saves jobs, helps people make more money, helps companies succeed, help companies stay in business. Meaning, 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 meaning. Okay. Exactly, exactly. Now, how do I get the progress part? Right. How do I, because the meaning part, I, that's, First of all, I think it, I'm 
just jumping to, I agree with you. Don't know why, but it just sounds like it makes complete sense. Yes. But the how do you do that? Well, let's just take training since you introduced that. So I've done a lot of learning and development myself. So let's take it down to a micro level because here's the cool thing about passion. It happens in the smallest things as well as the big things. So I am doing a webinar because that's what I do these days. I'm doing a webinar. I really care about the webinar. I care about the people in the webinar because I know that if they learn what I want to share with them, they're going to have a better work experience. So the meaning is there, as you say. Yeah. Now, what is the progress? Well, what we've learned is that there's different levels in a way of progress. So the first thing our unconscious brain looks for, and it's usually unconscious, is we look for signals of progress. So during a webinar, I might be watching you and I might say something and I see you go like this. That's a signal of progress for me. It means you're, th you're thinking about it, you're considering it. Um, or if I see someone go, oh, that's like this. And then they explain to me and they've connected two dots. That's a signal of progress for me. You know, at the end, if there is an assessment and, you know, I'm given a 10 out of 10, that's a sense of progress. If someone writes me afterwards and says, you know what, I applied that and it made a difference. Well, that's a huge signal of progress. So what is really interesting in our research is that once the self-coaching, I'm coming back to your question. Once I understand and I articulate what's meaningful to me, it's easier for some than others, to be honest with you, Evan. Sometimes people have to think about that. Sure. But what's more important for most people is to spend some time thinking about how do I know I'm getting somewhere? How do I know what I experience as progress? It's actually not always obvious. But once you start to become aware of it, you can then look for it notice it, pay attention to it. Sometimes we call it making progress visible because our brains sometimes will focus on what's not working versus what is working. So, you know, in a webinar, if I'm having tech problems, I might get distracted by that and start to feel frustrated rather than passionate, rather than focusing myself on, you know, what are we, you know, what progress are we making in this webinar? What difference am I making? How, how is it going so, on a learning point of view? So what I'm hearing, and I, and I, love and, and like really agree with is that people have to look for progress. Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting because feedback, which I think is a wonderful thing, somebody will hear feedback and they'll hear good feedback and they'll hear suggestions, improvements, etc. And you'll say to them, what did you learn? What did you get from the feedback? And almost invariably, it's a totally the negative. I did this wrong, this wrong, this wrong. And so I, I'm a big believer in positivity. And I always say that positivity is not like, hey, I'm going to be positive. It's actually something you exercise, you work for. You look for positive things every day. You look to be positive. You, you monitor yourself. And it sounds like progress is the same type of thing, is that you start to deliberately look for it all the time. It's so important to do that, Evan. I'm so happy that you have heard that because if we do that for ourselves, if we each day 
really scan our environment for signals of progress. Um, objective reality is what is important. We don't just want to see the glass half empty. We want to see it half full, right? It's, it's, sure. it, there can be both, but we really need to focus our brains on that because our brains for the most part will focus on what went wrong or what is there to do next? So the other really important piece of progress is that when you have accomplished something at work to really acknowledge it and celebrate it. And, and that's so important because you have to mark the progress. Otherwise, most of us will just go onto the next thing, onto the next thing, onto the next thing. And you're depriving yourself of a sense of progress, which builds resilience. It doesn't just keep you in this high state of engagement. When things do get tough, when you've had the negative feedback, when you are hitting obstacles, if you have really you know, invested in that sense of progress and connected it to meaning, of course, then you're quite resilient and you can persevere through the tough times. So there's the short-term benefits of that kind of nice little reward you get from acknowledging progress, but there's also that longer-term benefit. It takes you through tough times as well. Yeah, I bet it does. So let's just talk about the literal here for a second. Yeah. Okay. Do I like set time? Do I, how do I like journal to define my meaning? Do I set metrics to define my progress? Yeah. You know, how, do, how does, how does one, you know, literally do with it? How does one literally do this? So I find that if people want to get clarity and they're not sure. I find it really helpful to do it task by task. So what is it in this work I'm doing right here and now that I find meaningful? It could be anything from, I love the product. I know the product delivers value when people purchase it. It could be my internal client. Once they get this report, it enables them to do the management information report for decisions to be made. But it's to connect those dots in our mind. Um, it's really important that we just stop and think, what is meaningful about this? And, and it's actually true in reverse. We, we do this exercise, like, tell me your like absolute least passionate thing you do at work. The thing that you really can't, you know, you just can't get yeah. into, but it's just a requirement of the job. You have to do it. So for me, it's like accounting right? That's just what it is for me. And I can get grumpy like that when I start to look at my quarter end. Like it just it means expense reports. Okay. Expense reports. Let, you know, but for, you know, any administration say, right. Yeah. I literally, when I feel myself getting grumpy, I refocus on what I know is meaningful about that activity. I don't focus on why I don't like it, why it takes effort, and for me, the accounting is really critical in my business. Now, it doesn't mean I'm going to like it any better, but I do shift my emotional energy around it. So I think about how it helps me make decisions. I think about how it helps me plan the next quarter because it does. Now, it doesn't mean I like it better, but as soon as I refocus on why that thing matters... I shift energy. I may not be like in this zone around accounting, but instead of being frustrated and grumpy, I'm probably at least going to move to neutral and I'm not going to bring this heavy negative energy with me. Now, what's the progress? You need the progress piece. Well, I've learned to organize my accounting so that I do it all at the same time. 
I can yeah. move through it quickly. So pace of progress is really important. If I were to do a little bit of accounting every day, it would probably lead me to like, you know, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but because I've organized it in a way that I can get, I can feed this sense of progress, right? I, I get it done in a block of time and I feel great about it. So again, I'm never going to love accounting, but I, this is the self-coaching, right? I'm able to refocus on what's meaningful in the task and frame progress in a way and organize the work in a way that supports that sense of progress. I love this. And let's take just a little time to stay on the person before we start to how to bring this into the rest of the workplace. I love the fact, and I've always believed that you as a person have control over your behaviors, thoughts, energy, et cetera. But sometimes people work for very negative people that, you know, that are, you know, not supportive. So let's take this now and let's take it up a level and you work in a work environment, which maybe isn't the most positive place in the world and you have a boss that isn't so supportive. How do you handle that as an employee? Oh, that is such a good question because that's where this research started. We were doing leadership training, but at all levels of an organization. And we got, quite frankly, really tired of everyone complaining about their bosses. Because, right, you can always find something wrong with a boss. No one's perfect. I grant it that some leaders are not leaders. <laughs> so you yes. do have that issue for sure. However, what we wanted to do is say, you know what? Don't make your current set of circumstances determine your work experience your internal work experience. So let's put as much control as possible with you. So I'll give you a simple example to start because you've also mentioned feedback being important. And actually feedback is one of the critical drivers of passion at work. So you're spot on with that. We know that from 20 years of research. So a common complaint is I don't get feedback from my manager or I don't get useful feedback from my manager. And I had a manager at one point in my life who said to me, literally, no news is good news, Jacqueline. Right? <laughs> so, and that doesn't really support because the leader's role is to create conditions which make it easier for me to be passionate, not block me or make it more difficult. But what I'll say to people is, if you have a manager who has not been forthcoming with feedback, of course, the first thing you do is you ask for it. I just coached a young woman this morning. She's never asked for feedback. She has no idea how she's doing. So I, we role-played it. How are you going to ask for feedback? How are you going to advocate for yourself? Now, you may still have a manager who is still not very forthcoming. It, it can happen. So what are other sources of progress you can get? Could you get feedback from others? Could you get feedback from clients? Maybe there's a completely different signal of progress that's available to you. And this can actually really build a lot of resilience. So if I know I have hit target, that's objective reality. I know that. And I can give myself a pat on the back. I don't want to be reliant on someone else for my internal emotional experience. Now this takes some strength to do, but it's so worth it. I know I did a good job. I know I hit my targets. 
and pat yourself on the back and celebrate yourself. Yeah, it I sounds corny, but it's so important to have this level of independence because sometimes life's not fair. Sometimes you have a crappy manager, so you can do a lot to support yourself. You know, you know it's, it's interesting when you say this about, you know, no feedback is take that as positive that you're not getting any. And I know people love no feed, uh, love feedback, but sometimes it actually is a compliment that they're like trusting you just to do your job and they're focusing on other people because they're, they're super, they're super busy. Um, so let's, let's, so this is a world of training and I'd love to take this concept to the training world of, okay, you're building training programs, right? So I, I'm a big believer in a training program and any, in anything, people need to get the why, you know, the, the, the motivation, the, 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 the purpose you talked about, and people need to feel progress. So if you're developing training for people, how would you, what are your thoughts in terms of what people can do to kind of apply these two great concepts into building and crafting training programs? Oh, what a great question. Do you know, I've never been asked that question. And I, and, and that is such a great question. So one of the things that is happening in this world of webinars we now live in, most of us, is that a lot of the setup is getting cut, I've noticed. And it's really important to not um, jump straight into the skill building piece, but to really ensure, and it doesn't need to take a lot of time, but to really ensure that you establish, you know, the purpose of the training, the wh whatever it is. I mean, it could be anything from safety training to, you know, career development training, but to, to really establish why they, why they should bother to attend, what's in yeah. it for them personally. I think it's absolutely fine to say what's in it for the company, but you have to speak at the, at the individual level as well. And, and sometimes I ask people to state that in one word at the beginning, you know, in a way it's like stating your intention, but it's more about grounding yourself in, in what's your purpose and, and yeah. how are you going to benefit from the training. Now, that can be woven throughout the training. As a facilitator, I try to always refocus people. In one sentence, you can refocus people on why this matters. Yeah. Um, right now the progress piece is interesting because again are people from the training gaining information knowledge are they learning a skill but here's something that people sometimes feel awkward about but it's so important to do is to um celebrate the achievements throughout the webinar right like uh this is going to sound corny, but it's not actually. So let's just say we just did a tough case study yesterday in one of our webinars and we got through it. Right. And it's like, all right, great work. We did that. Like we got through that. That was a bit of a tough haul. We had some tension, but look, we got through it and we've got a good result. Like there's like celebrate the progress. Yeah. Acknowledge seeing. the product. Yeah. Acknowledge it. Um, you know, it's, it's important to do that because people will just sit there, especially on webinars. <laughs> if you don't sort of almost insist that there's a certain level of engagement. And then sometimes I'll just say, doesn't that feel better? Like, doesn't that feel better? And people will come around. It's just that we feel 
a certain awkwardness. In the classroom, it's a lot easier, of course, to create that sense of progress. Um, but you want but some, people some to way, see. In some ways in e-learning, um, when I first, well, I got an e-learning in 1996 as my first that well before SCORM even existed, my, my first online university I helped launch. But courses were long. It was nothing for a course to be, you know, somebody to spend an hour on, an, on one course, and then you would take a test at the end, you would complete. And now best practices of courses, and I shouldn't say courses, technically lessons, are eight to, eight to 10 minutes. And that's because people need to feel the sense of completion and progress. And it's better to break things up into small chunks, let people celebrate their knowledge, and then have them go on to another thing than it is to do one bigger, longer uh, segment um, because people feel good about it. They, and they like to get certificates and they like to get acknowledgement and, and, and th things of that nature. Tortal Training's Learning Matter experts are passionate about designing effective solutions that move the needle. Whether your organization needs development of e-learning courses, instructor-led training, or assistance with creating optimized electronic versions of employee handbooks, our team can help. To learn more, visit tortal.com slash learning dash development. We just did a research project a couple of years ago with millennials, and that is even more true with millennials. Um, they want to feel a certain pace of progress. Uh, I work yeah. in the insurance sector, and for example, underwriters may have spent seven years getting you know, to their level of writing authority, but the younger underwriters don't want to wait seven years. So how, how do we give them a sense of progress? Maybe it still takes them seven years to get to that level of authority, but how do we celebrate sure. the mini steps? How do we create these um, benchmarks that enable people to feel progress? That's a big part of how we help organizations work. So we need to do that at the individual level but organizations need to be structured. Just ran into this yesterday where someone who is in a front line position, entry level position, let's call it, has been there for years. Uh, th there's nothing wrong with that. She's been working her way through the gaining knowledge and skills, it's all appropriate. But now a young kid comes in, same title. How do we differentiate that? For That can matter to people, they want to, be acknowledged for the knowledge they've gained and the quality of their work. What we've learned from millennials, they don't want to be rewarded for poor work, but they do want their hard work and their output to be recognized. So while we're here, why do have so many companies? So my opinion is millennials are the best working generation ever. It's my personal opinion because I, they desire to learn, they're competitive, they need to be challenged. They want to be acknowledged, but they're innovative. They're willing to give you feedback freely where a lot of people don't like to risk. So I love them. But why do so many companies have difficulties with them? And so many people have the opinion that they're the worst generation in the workforce. Well, I agree with you. So 
Well, I started the show off saying we're of like mind. Yes. But I interviewed, I can't tell you how many millennials I interviewed and I was impressed. They do want to learn. They want to grow. They want the challenge. I think why organizations feel uncomfortable is that they want those signals of progress. They want the acknowledgement. They want the recognition and they want the rewards, but not undeserved right? Yes. They want. And so organizations currently aren't structured like that. I mean, if you think of the performance management systems that are currently in place, if you think about how promotions work. So I think because the structure isn't there to support this, that's where organizations get into trouble. But if they, right now I'm working with an organization and what we are doing is we are actually restructuring things so that there can be these milestones. There can be this sense of progress. People aren't always looking for titles and money. Uh, sometimes it's uh, exposure, just being able to present a board paper. That can be huge to someone who's early career. Sure, right? absolutely. And that's progress. Like it's not just money and title. It's it's this acknowledgement and opportunity, I think, is a huge signal of progress. And I think it's true for everyone because honestly, Evan, when I go back, I mean, I'm 56, but when yeah. I think of when I was 26, the same things mattered to me. <laughs> you know, I worked hard. I wanted the recognition for the hard work. It didn't necessarily have to come in terms of yeah, you know, lot, like money or of, titles. A lot of things though were cultural because I remember, I'm a little older than you, but I remember watching TV and like, and there's a show Bewitched, which maybe- I know Bewitched. Okay. Well, Darren was always afraid of Larry. Yeah. Always in panic of Larry. And, and what we learned was- that you never argued with your boss. And if your boss said leap, you said how high. And that, that those generational issues really, really have, have an impact. But I totally agree with you. You know, it's, it's interesting how you, in my opinion, you need to manage millennials differently. And if you apply that to older generations, they love that too. That's, that's what I've seen. That's yeah. what I've seen. It's just the older generation has tolerated. And I think it links back to yeah. your bewitched example. I think we've been taught to tolerate certain things, not to say that we wouldn't prefer it differently, but there's a level of acceptance and tolerance that the younger generation doesn't have. Yeah. And sometimes it's inconvenient. You know, sometimes having, you know, I think about my kids, why? Why? But you said this last week. Sometimes those kind of questions are very inconvenient, <laughs> but so, they do lead to good conversations. So you're going, why, why? I'm going to go Z, Z. Tell me about Generation Z. Um, yeah, it's Z, the, the younger generation. How do you think they're going to be different? And what should we be doing to prepare for them? So this is why I love our spark lens of meaning and progress, because my starting point is to ask the questions, you know, what are your sources of meaning? What do you consider to be a meaningful activity? Why is that meaningful to you? Why do you aspire to, because aspiration, of course, is a huge part of meaning. Why do you aspire to that? Do you know what your aspirations are? And then all the questions around progress. You know, what, what are your expectations for progress? Where do you think? And people will tell you if you ask the questions, right? So 
Um, what's really interesting about this is that although in our research, we have these sort of universal drivers of engagement, we haven't really talked much about that. Feedback is one of them, though. Uh, believing in vision is another. Celebration is another. You know, there's a number of yep. them that we found to be universal around the world. Um, but each individual has their own, too. So if I'm leading a team, I really will hugely benefit from knowing what are the drivers of meaning and progress for each person on my team. Now, it may be that we have shared stuff, right? So that as yeah. a leader, I can also manage shared meaning, you know, and a shared sense of progress. Like if I have a sales team, I'm sure there's some commonalities there, right? That we sure. can work with together in any team. But you have to know it at the individual level because what works for you may not work for me. You know, I don't actually need a huge amount of feedback. I like feedback, but it's, I don't need it. My business partner loves feedback, needs it. You know, we, he, he joked with me, with me one day and he said, Jacqueline, I need feedback. In fact, I need praise. I don't even care if you mean it. <laughs> <laughs> right? Fair enough. Fair enough. Right? Like we're there to support each other too. And we don't want to block someone else's sense of meaning or block their sense of progress just because we're turned on by something else. So it's also around knowing yourself, but knowing others and, and sort of supporting each other. And it, it makes for a much stronger team and it takes team building to a whole other level, right? Um, when you really know what makes someone tick from a meaning and progress point so of view. What, what I think I'm hearing from you is you really need to understand each individual person yeah. and not necessarily classify them into this group or that group. And, and, and I actually really like that because I, I think people are, are different. And one of my profound learnings is I, cause I'm very aggressive one, you know, like to grow, like to progress in a big way. And I'm thinking everybody wants to grow. Everyone wants promotions. And then when you ask them, what do you want from your career? What's, you know, what are your goals? You actually can find out that they are just happy and love what they're doing. They don't want more stress. They don't want anything. They just want to do what they're doing even better as opposed to they want, they want promotions. You're raising a very important point when it comes to our work. So sometimes leaders will say to me, it just happened um, last month where we're talking to a new client, her workforce are, stay-at-home moms, usually moms, who are highly skilled but don't want full-time corporate work. Yeah. Her expectation for them to be fully engaged is very low. I said, why? Why would you expect your engagement to be low? Well, they have other priorities. It's very interesting. I said, while they are at work, they want to be fully engaged. Sure. So how do we create the conditions to support that within them? Um, I'm working with someone who is um, a, a fairly junior role in her organization, office manager. She loves it. She is 100% in and doesn't want anything else. It doesn't mean she can't be fully passionate, though, at that level. It's not... It's, it's about what are your drivers and are those being met within your current set of circumstances in your working career? Yeah. 
And anyone can have it and anyone and everyone wants it. Sometimes people give up though, Evan. I've, I've met people sometimes who are very senior who will say to me, no, I'm okay with how it is. Why? Well, at some point they just gave up, right? I had a CFO tell me he had given up because the CEO never listened to his ideas. I, you see, this, this circles right back to the beginning. And I love, love this because we're obviously close to the end. And that is self-motivation, right? Not being dependent on others because we can let others beat us up. Yes. We can believe things that people say that are not necessarily true. And that, that self-motivation, your purpose, progress, and controlling it yourself and being doing it for yourself um, you know, just makes so much sense. And if you are working somewhere and it is not a fit for you, but you're doing everything you can to create the best work experience possible, then when you leave, you're going to leave confident. You're going to leave clear about why you're leaving and what you want. And that is so important, right? Because the grass isn't greener. And if you're not clear, I have seen this happen many times where people end up in the same situation again, different company, but same situation. So I always say to them, make this current work experience the best it can be, then decide, right? Because then you're not running from something. You're very clear on what you can control, what you can't control, and you can find potentially a better fit around, you know, another place that will help you achieve your aspirations. But you're, you're not going there in a negative state. You're going there actually feeling empowered and positive. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't understand looking for work. It's so important to find the right place to work more than just accepting the first job. And, you know, I think people get worried. They they have confidence issues. Uh, But it's so important to work and do something you love because, and this, this is part of your stuff because I know that because I read up on you, (laughs) which is that you should love what you're doing. (laughs) It's important to do stuff you love rather than just do stuff. Uh, And what I've learned, and this is the interesting thing, when you start to mine for meaning, sometimes you discover that you love things more than you even knew you did, right? It's very interesting because if your brain is only focused on, you know, what's wrong and what's not working, it's hard to love that thing. But once you start to look at where there is value, what you do appreciate, all of a sudden your orientation can change and you can rediscover things and you can realize, you know what? I let that person get in my way. I let them start to influence how I actually felt about work I used to love. Um, So it's very interesting. If you really start to look at it for yourself, you you will find that you will make that work experience definitely better. So I want to shift and I want to just contribute something to the conversation here, which I'd love your feedback on. And, And that is the concept of praise with why. And this can be something you do for yourself. So you can self praise. Okay, I did a good job. You can say, oh, I did, oh, that's great. I did a good job. I got, you know, got high scores on whatever. But to really say, why did I do a good job? But then to praise others at work. And, and I'm also going to take this further, kids. People, when you say to somebody, oh, I so love you, you're a great kid, or you're this, 
it bounces off of them because people have negative self-belief. But when you say why what you did is so good, I just want to thank you. You were amazing with that client because you really heard what they needed and you were able to come up with this amazing solution that makes a real difference. So I want to acknowledge you for that. And when you take that extra step, because it's easy to say, hey, great job. You were amazing with that client. Good job closing the sale. You haven't really given them the why. You've just given them a platitude. And I think this goes for self-reinforcement and working with people. 100%, 100%. One of the measures on our assessment is I get lots of meaningful feedback on my performance at work. Meaningful feedback, right? So the why is part of that. The why is part of meaningful feedback. Yeah. Um, I tell people, if you position bad news as I know you're trying to sail to the Caribbean, but right now you're headed for England. So I've got some information for you to help you get to the Caribbean. No one's going to say, I don't want that bad news. <laughs> right? Everyone's yeah. going to say, help me get to the Caribbean. That's what I want. Right? Yeah. So, because that's meaningful. You know, it's why I'm giving you the feedback. And it's also how you're going to benefit from the feedback. So you mentioned several times your valuation. And can you tell us about it? And then I know you got an offer with it. So, uh well, I, I love this. And we stumbled on this. I mean, we did our research, but we didn't really know what we had. But what our assessment does is it will, in six minutes, 30 questions, it will give you a profile of how you currently are feeling about your work experience. It will tell you what it feels like to be in your place right now. But, mm. then, it puts, but then it puts it into your hands and here's what you can do about it. It's the whole self-coaching piece that you opened with, which you know we didn't plan, but it's perfect for our tool because even if the measure is around your organization, the ideas to action are, how do you make it better for you? Or how do you become part of the solution? Um, and then we also look at what's working for you in your current work environment and what are your improvement areas and, and how do you do that for you? So it's a very powerful tool. It gives you this emotional profile, but loads of ideas and strategies to action. It sounds like a cool tool. So why don't, because... You know, I'm sure people have taken these tools before, paid a lot of money to take them. If you would share your offer, that would be awesome. Yes. So we have, um, as part of working with Training Unleashed, uh, if you want to do www.tryspark.ca backslash unleashed, you will get instant access to the assessment and you will get your profile immediately following um, completion of the survey at no cost at no cost yes excellent that is a fantastic offer really really appreciate it why don't you give the url one more time we'll put the url in the description but sometimes people like listen to this on itunes sure and iheart and they don't have the benefit of that description absolutely try spark.ca backslash unleashed excellent Thank you. And as you know, we always end the show with, if you had one tip, what would that one tip be for our listeners? I touched on it within the podcast, but I'm going to underscore it here. Celebration. 
we do not celebrate ourselves and each other enough. We are way too focused on what's next. We deprive ourselves of this uplifted state. And what we know from our research that what distinguishes people who are passionately engaged versus others who are either not engaged or only somewhat engaged is celebration. That is the differentiator. Because when you celebrate, you're reinforcing what's meaningful and you're also indicating there's been progress, right? There's something sure. to celebrate. So, and you can do that in small ways. Like we're coming up to tax season. I have an accountant who taught me a lot about this. Uh, we have uh, Staples and Staples has an easy button. And when you hit the easy button, it says that was easy. Whenever she does, she does individual files. Whenever she hits send on a tax return, she hits that easy button. That was easy. And that's her little mini celebration. Another one. I, that is so cool. Right. I have so another cool. client yesterday who said he takes, he has a jar and every time he completes 30 minutes of design work, he puts a marble in the jar. And at the end of the day, he sees how much design work he has done. And that's how he celebrates at the end of the day. I've got six marbles in my jar. Wow. So cool. it's cool ways to celebrate this sense of progress. I mean, it gives you the hit, right? But it's tangible and visible and you can do it alone. It doesn't have to be like happy hour. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with celebrating a hard week where you closed a deal. Let's go to happy hour. Nothing wrong with that. But sometimes people think of celebration as, you know, groups, big events. Celebration can be quiet and private too. Very good. You've been an excellent guest. I really appreciate having you on the show. I want to again, thank my friends at the C-Suite, um, C-Suite Radio, C-Suite Television, and everyone, thank you for listening. I appreciate that. Thank you, Evan, for having me. Training Unleashed is brought to you by Tortal Training, specializing in e-learning and interactive online training solutions for corporate, government, nonprofit, and franchise organizations. Tortal makes effective training easier. Just go to tortal.net to gain access to real-world tools that can make a difference. That's tortal.net, T-O-R-T-A-L, tortal.net. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>